0: Find a way. Idil presents.
1: In this program of We Can Find a Way, my guest is Barry O'Mahony, who's going to be talking about citizens assemblies. Welcome back to another program of We Can Find a Way, a podcast about conflict resolution. My name is Idil Elveriş. I'm one of the first mediators of Turkey, certified back in 2005 by the ADR group in London. I have taught mediation and ADR for a long time, did some victim-offender, labor and community mediation cases. I'm now based mostly in London, and in this podcast, I strive to cover conflict and its resolution through alternative means in all Areas of life where there is conflict. Before a summer break in August, this episode of We Can Find A Way will feature, as guest, Barry O'Mahony. Barry will share his experience in facilitating the Citizens' Assembly in Ireland, which discussed same-sex marriage as well as abortion, which then ended up with a referendum in Ireland. The assemblies are a mechanism for deliberative democracy and Ireland is recognized as a world leader in this field. So Barry will share his experience with us. He had a career in corporate banking in both Ireland and the United States. He then moved to a payments industry body and later set his own consultancy business. He worked on general data protection compliance across a range of sectors. In association with an Irish company called Rumex, he worked with the Irish government on managing the facilitators and note-takers, which were plenty, on a number of citizens' assemblies in Ireland. Let us now move to the interview that took place on 8th July 2022 20 to talk to me for my podcast we can find a way
0: you're very welcome and I'm delighted to be with you
1: so the parliament established the citizens assembly in Ireland why did they do that
0: it was been driven by trying to gauge the mood for change in a number of key areas in our society And it was felt that deliberative democracy might be a way to assist engaging the mood. The very first one touched on a sensitive topic, which was same-sex marriage. What the Citizens Assembly achieved is it gave the parliamentarians, gave the government a sense of the mood, whether there was any interest in, first of all, in having a referendum and how might that go. And the one after that was about the abortion issue. So it was a good way of gauging the mood, seeing what people were thinking, gave the topic airtime. The citizens' assemblies, they're reported in the media every evening when they're on, and it brings a focus to the topic. I think that was the driving force behind it. You could argue that possibly if David Cameron uh, had a citizens' assembly prior to a particular referendum, that maybe things might have turned up differently.
1: So you're thinking this was by choice because they figured this is a tough subject. And the more we know what the citizens think or the more this issue is discussed, the responsibility will be less on the representatives of the people, but it's shared with everybody,
0: I guess. Well, there's a cynical view and indeed held by some parliamentarians that politicians were trying to get this off their table and let somebody else take the blame. There are a lot of people who are opposed to the idea of a citizens assembly. They feel it undermines their parliamentary Mm -hmm. duties, which, of course, it doesn't. It is another additional piece in the whole democracy process.
1: You think it's paid off?
0: I think the evidence is very strong that it has paid off, that it worked. And even the results of the voting by the citizens in both the convention and the constitution, which touched on the same-sex marriage and also on the abortion issue. The results were very strongly in favor of having a referendum and the referendum results were very much in line with the votes on the two assemblies. It did work. It created an environment for sensible comment on the topics and it raised brought a lot more education on the topics as well, I think.
1: And you don't think it would happen on its own if there was no such deliberative democracy process, because people wouldn't
0: just... It's probably it might have happened as soon as it did, or it might not have happened at all. I think certainly the deliberative democracy and the, the assembly process helped bring it along and also bring it along in a more informed environment on the topics that were discussed.
1: You were involved, I guess, in this process.
0: Yes. My role was part of the, the management in Rumex and my own role was lead facilitator. So uh-huh. I was responsible for training the facilitators and the note takers, as well as being a facilitator myself, but part of the management team that liaised with the Department of the
1: Can you please tell us about the process to participate in the assembly as well as in the sessions? How were the citizens chosen, like depending on their age, gender, education, or like a random sample? How did that work?
0: The government engaged an external body that would normally do surveys. They were asked to recruit 100 citizens or maybe 120 through a random selection The source document for the names was the register of electors. The selection process involved a number of parameters. One was gender balance. There were certain guidelines around having a a spread of age categories. And there was also an element of geographic spread across the country. Interviewers from that firm went and knocked on doors. And people were invited to participate in something. And if they agreed, they were then subsequently briefed on it. They were also screened to make sure that you didn't happen to knock on the door who was of somebody who was a very strong advocate for a particular Uh topic that will be discussed. That screening applies to our team as well, facilitators and note takers. Anybody who may have any history of advocating for the topic couldn't be part of it, understandably enough. So the citizens were then pulled together and uh, there were a series of meetings over several weekends. They were unpaid. They gave up their time. Some of those topics, it was very difficult material for ordinary citizens to absorb and to, and to take in. So, you know, I have great admiration for the citizens who took part. And what
1: kind of time are we talking about? Because you said eight weeks?
0: Depending on the topic. But, for example, when we were talking about the abortion issue, memory serves me right, that was possibly six weekends over an elapsed time of about a year.
1: You're saying weekends, that is like Saturday and Sunday.
0: Typically, the citizens would gather in the location, in the hotel, on a Friday evening. And the sessions would run all day Saturday and for half the day on Sunday. And everybody went home on Sunday evening. They were there from Friday evening through to Sunday afternoon.
1: Were they tired
0: afterwards? Some of the sessions were exhausting, and they had an awful lot of reading to do because they got a lot of advanced material. Some of them were emotionally very difficult. I was a facilitator, obviously, and some of the material that emerged during the discussions on the abortion issue, some people were quite distressed by some of the material they had to absorb and take on. So um, it was a big commitment.
1: How about you? Were you like frustrated at times when you were (laughs) facilitating?
0: No, I don't think I have suffered any frustration. We tried to gear up to be as professional as we possibly could. And we train our people and the note takers to keep the roles very clear, which is very important. And we stayed out of the subject matter. Although we we're hearing all of this, we don't read the advanced material, just have a very high level briefing of what the topic is about, because we're in RUMAX, the company that we work with. And we are very clear about keeping people off the topic that they're not experts on it. Mm -hmm. It is really, really important to be able to demonstrate an absence of bias. So Mm -hmm. no, I wasn't frustrated, but some of it was quite quite interesting. Mm -hmm. I know your topic is conflict and conflict resolution and that. But I suppose the idea in the facilitation is that you get conflicting views without the conflict. Uh That was our role. The facilitator's role is to create that atmosphere where people can speak quite freely. It's not a debating society, you know, and it's not parliament either where, you know, people have to take sides.
1: So what are the benefits of getting the views without the conflict then about the conflict.
0: I I think what it gives, and again, that abortion topic actually is a useful example because it is such a a difficult topic for people. The environment creates an opportunity for people who wouldn't normally be prepared to express an opinion or a view, uh, who are shy. It's not that they don't have opinions, it's just that they're shy about speaking in a group. And I think the advantage of our structure, which was about eight, seven or eight citizens at a table, is that they were a bit more comfortable to speak up. The important thing for us as facilitators is to make sure that they feel that comfort level. The other point of it is the usual thing. If you have a group of people, there will be probably one person who wants to dominate the discussion. Our role is to make sure that that doesn't happen. One part of the ground rules are if somebody expresses a view, they're not challenged about it. If somebody has an alternative view, they can say it. But there's no other people in, on the, at the table can't do an assessment of somebody's opinion. That's not allowed. One of our core principles and guiding rules for us was that disagreement is expected, but disrespect is not expected or tolerated.
1: Would you recommend something like that for societies that are polarized and conflictual then?
0: I absolutely would for very major issues. I think it's a very good way to go about it. It helps to gauge the mood. It provides informed discussion. So the views of everybody are captured, but they're expressing their views after they have received the best of information, and the most objective of information. So there are experts who come in who are non-aligned, one way or the other, who give the facts. The citizens get to, to hear all of that. Whereas in in the general public, they don't, people don't necessarily hear a lot of the issues or they don't want to hear them. And advocacy groups are also given an opportunity to present. So for the abortion issue, the 100 people in that room were the best informed on the topic. They recommended that there should be a referendum. I think that helped as well to carry the referendum.
1: So the conflictual issue was discussed in such depth, there was an acceptance of a referendum, even though that was not where it started, as I understood. It wasn't guaranteed that it was going to go to a referendum.
0: If the Citizens' Assembly had voted to not have a referendum, there would not have been a referendum. The final outcome was not predetermined. That actually is something that anybody who is running citizens' assemblies have to be careful about. And the Department of the Taoiseach, or government department, we're very, very careful on that. We're not looking at a predetermined outcome here. It's the duty of the assembly and the citizens in it to decide what direction this should take. If the citizens had voted against a referendum, there wouldn't have been on.
1: You talked about some of the rules. Was there also a confidentiality rule for the citizens? Like, were they allowed to chat about those issues with family and friends, about what they read, about what they discussed?
0: There were restrictions was about uh, disclosing the names or views of other people. But people want to talk about the topic, then that's fine. And all of the material that was presented was all put on the website anyway, and that was all publicly available. And this was particularly so in, in when it came to the... The sensitive topic of the abortion issue, mm-hmm. and of course the same-sex marriage, people's individuals' views were not identified. When, as a facilitator, we were giving feedback from the table, for instance, or asking questions, it was done on an, an anonymous basis. So I would stand up and say, "The views from this table are," or a, "A citizen at this table has a question, and this is the question," but it wouldn't be identified. There wouldn't be attribution. And in our final thoughts it was very important. We didn't name who said what.
1: A lot of care was shown not to turn this into an individual affair, given the history of this type of conflict or the subject being very conflictual in Ireland, I guess. Is that so?
0: That's very true. It was not individualized. It was a collective. These were the citizens as a collective speaking. It wasn't John Murphy's view of the world it was the dominant view. And it was anonymized. This also, the avoiding getting people in, into problems, it did help to create an atmosphere where people could speak openly and did speak openly. And it was very important that everybody's views and opinions were captured which was the job of our note takers. Our job as facilitators was to create that atmosphere and that level of comfort where people could talk about a very sensitive topic in a safe environment, so to speak. So
1: right now we're talking about this decision in the U.S. What would your advice to them be? Like, would you tell them, you know, why don't you have a citizen assembly established in the U.S.? Why don't you try that?
0: I know, and I, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Brexit might have taken a different turn if there had been a process of the Citizen Assembly around that. I recommend the process for major issues. They should be just for the major issues because they're expensive to run, you know, and it's important that they retain their legitimacy. There's a lot involved in in running a Citizens Assembly. We're available to do it in the US.
1: So I guess you're saying the process creates its own legitimacy over time. Probably a lot of people have started with more distance, more questions, but they still participated. And then during the process, over time, the legitimacy was even increased or maybe decreased can you tell us like some quotes uh, from the process
0: when these started there were a lot of naysayers there were a lot of people who were saying you know this is just going to be a talking shop it's not going to achieve anything there was a lot of resistance early on from people a cynicism about mm-hmm. the process and oh, a lot well mm-hmm. they felt that it was the government were just washing their hands of, of an issue And I think some parliamentarians felt that their role in democracy was being somehow eroded, which, of course, it's not. Everything had to go back to parliament anyway. All the Citizens' Assembly could do was make a recommendation, and that's how it has worked. I think there were some negative comments in the media, and then there were protesters, particularly on on the abortion issue. There were protesters, so citizens had to deal with that as well, so to speak, to run the gauntlet. But overall, the feedback, and this has been consistent, the citizens going out after the the process is over end up with very positive views about it. Even people who might not have agreed with the final outcome, but they did accept that the final outcome was reached. After a well-informed group of people were able to express their opinions, that those opinions were taken on board, they were given an opportunity to vote one way or the other. And the whole voting around in these assemblies can get very complicated. But the process is is very transparent, and I think it is a very legitimate process. It's not replacing anything else in democracy. I think it, it does add to the democratic process.
1: Any new conflicts that you're addressing?
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, uh, apart from going to the US, (laughs) um, there is some talk in Ireland about United Ireland, That's a very sensitive and divisive topic. I think before any steps are taken in relation to that, I think that is something that would certainly merit and benefit from a Citizens' Assembly in advance of something happening rather than dealing with consequences afterwards.
1: What I understand from this is you don't shy away from addressing conflictual issues that can raise eyebrows even in the UK or something.
0: Certainly you shouldn't shy away from them. I think they should be addressed. It is only part of the process of addressing problems. But I think it's a very useful tool in addressing difficult uh, scenarios. People have very genuinely held but opposing views. And it's about getting those discussed in an atmosphere where there isn't conflict.
1: Are we scared of conflict then?
0: I think most people would rather avoid it if they can. Then, of course, there are always, always people who relish the conflict. So I think it's just part of our human makeup. I think better outcomes will result from diminishing the conflict or managing it at least.
1: Anything you would like to add?
0: I think one of your questions about what would you recommend to people who might be thinking about doing this, the governance is really important because the governance helps to establish the integrity of the process. By that, I mean things like where our facilitators and note takers have no skin in the game. They are completely neutral as far as the topic is concerned. Whatever, a government or government department should be very, very careful about that. And I think the, the Department of the Taoiseach in Ireland, which runs the assemblies, has done an excellent job in creating that structure and giving legitimacy to the whole process.
1: Well, Barry, thank you very much. In today's okay, my guest was Barry O'Mahony. We discussed deliberative democracy model that is called Citizens' Assemblies, especially designed for talking about contentious issues in society. O'Mahony explained the model developed in Ireland how it worked, how citizens were selected to the assemblies on the basis of which criteria, the principles employed during the process, and the outcome. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please follow, like, or share it. Within shortly, I will upload a picture of Barry in the Instagram account of We Can Find A Way. I will share some excerpts from the program in Instagram stories. Lastly, I would like to close by thanking musician Imre Hadi and artist Seren Göktan, who allowed me to use their music and picture in the podcast. Thank you and see you in the next program in September.
0: We can find a way. Idil Elberish presented.